Hi everybody, it's your resident weirdo Patrice back with you for the latest installment of A is for Alien, T is for Tangent. So someone messaged me this week and asked me if my podcast is dead. <laughs> and do I have news for you? You can't get rid of me that easily, guys. I know that I've had a couple of weeks off, but the podcast is definitely not dead. The podcast is just getting started and I have a feeling that it's going to get actually even better hopefully because I'm all about that like you know getting up and on with things and uh, you know making self-improvements where I can and you know tailoring the product uh, and tailoring the craft because you know I am relatively new to this so this week I've been in a little bit of a kind of I guess the best way to describe it would be like a, a cryptid reddit kind of research spiral maybe and I asked on my Instagram if any of you had had any experiences with or heard stories of these alleged crawlers. So if you don't know what a crawler is, you need to stop the podcast right now, pause it, you have to promise to come back though, and look up crawler sightings on Reddit. If you if you look for crawlers, just crawlers, it'll come up with remote control cars, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's the subreddit for rock calling remote control cars. So yeah, don't you don't want that one. And here's a little research tip that I always use when I'm on Reddit or the like, anything kind of like that, is if I find a new subreddit that I find really interesting. So say with this crawler sighting subreddit that I found, I always like to go to the settings and sort by top posts of all time. And I feel like from there, you get a pretty good rounded image of whatever it is the subreddit is on. All right, so let me try and describe a crawler to you. Um, well, like straight off the bat, they're a fucking freaky is pretty much like the best way to describe them. And I think where their creepiness comes from is the Uncanny Valley-esque quality that they have. Because, you know, from far away, you probably see them and think, oh, look, there's someone who's drug fucked. But then, you know, when they get closer, they are distinctively pale. Sometimes they've got an ashen skin. They've got an emaciated appearance. You know, they vary in height from between five to eight feet. But like, even though they can be quite tall, they are normally seen crawling on all fours or in some kind of like haunched, hunched position, kind of sitting like a dog. So their faces are reported to be sunken, or sometimes they have black eyes. People say that they either have like sharp teeth, or in some cases they have no teeth, um, no lips or no noses. They're most commonly seen in parts of North America and also Australia. And don't I love it when our two worlds meet, Australia and America? So just from that description, even if you're remotely aware of any kind of internet law, you're probably sitting there thinking that description is exactly like that creepypasta story, The Rake. So the concept of The Rake originated on 4chan on a board in late 2005. The board was started by an anonymous user and the idea was, hey, let's make a new monster. So naturally, lots of ideas were thrown around, um, but eventually 
you know, the ideas which started to stand out were once again ideas that scare us on some kind of primal level because perhaps they remind us of ourselves in a kind of freaky house of horrors mirror way. And I think for me personally, I find that the scariest to think that there is something that is familiar enough that I'm not instantly afraid. And it's only until I'm close enough to it to realize (laughs) that it's not what I thought that it was, that it's too late for me to do anything about it because I'm in imminent danger. So the first and most well-known story about the rake was posted to a personal blog by something awful user Brian Somerville in 2006. It was the first story in a series that he called Horror Theatre. He doesn't indicate in that blog whether it was written specifically for his blog or if it was taken from another website. According to the mythology that he lays out, the first-hand accounts of the rake had been described as early as the 12th century and documented for the first time in 1691. But this story alleges that in 2003, there was a series of strange events that happened in northeastern US, which involved a creature leading to a brief local media flurry. But then after the fact, most of the written accounts of the creature mysteriously were destroyed. So one of my favorite things that I enjoy about internet fiction, like creepypasses and SCPs is, you know, the talent in making a scary story, not seem ridiculous or humorous, but actually giving it believability. It's a real talent for horror writers to be able to, you know, reach somebody on such a personal level, you know, like podcasting is personal because I'm literally in your ears. Most of you listen with headphones on. So it's like, I'm literally in your head talking to you. And I feel the same way about writers, except you're not just listening to voices in your head. They are in your head. So I'm not going to read the whole story. You can find that on the creepypasta.fandom.com website under the rake, but I do want to read you an excerpt from it. And this is under the subtitle from a witness 2006. Three years ago, I just returned from a trip from Niagara Falls with my family for the 4th of July. We were very exhausted after a long day of driving, so my husband and I put the kids right to bed and called it a night. At about 4am, I woke up thinking my husband had gotten up to use the restroom. I used the moment to steal back the sheets, only to wake him in the process. I apologised and told him I thought he'd gotten out of bed. When he turned to face me, he gasped and pulled his feet up from the end of the bed so quickly his knee almost knocked me out of the bed. He then grabbed me and said nothing. After adjusting to the dark half a second, I was able to see what caused the strange reaction. At the foot of the bed, sitting and facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man, or a large hairless dog of some sort. Its body position was disturbing and unnatural, as if it had been hit by a car or something. For some reason, I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat under the assumption that we were supposed to help him. My husband was peering over his arm and knee, tucked into the fetal position, occasionally glancing at me before returning to the creature. In a flurry of motion, the creature scrambled around the side of the bed and then crawled quickly in a failing sort of motion right along the bed until it was less than a foot from my husband's face. 
The creature was completely silent for about 30 seconds, or probably closer to five. It just seemed like a while. Just looking at my husband. The creature then placed its hand on his knee and ran into the hallway, leading to the kids' room. I screamed and ran for the light switch, planning to stop him before he hurt my children. When I got to the hallway, the light from the bedroom was enough to see it crouching and hunched over about 20 feet away. He turned around and looked directly at me, covered in blood. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter Clara. The creature ran down the stairs while my husband and I rushed to help our daughter. She was very badly injured and spoke only once more in her short life. She said, he is the rake. My husband drove his car into the lake that night while rushing our daughter to the hospital. They did not survive. Being a small town, news got around pretty quickly. The police were helpful at first. The local newspaper took a lot of interest as well. However, the story was never published and the local television news never followed it up either. For several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel near my parents' house. After we decided to return home, I began looking for answers myself. I eventually located a man in the next town over who had a similar story. We got in contact and began talking about our experiences. He knew of two other people in New York who had seen the creature we now referred to as the rake. It took the four of us about two solid years of hunting on the internet and writing letters to come up with a small collection of what we believed to be accounts of the rake. None of them gave any details, history or follow-up. One journal had an entry involving the creature in its first three pages and never mentioned it again. A ship's log explained nothing of the encounter, saying only that they were told to leave by the rake. That was the last entry in the log. There were, however, many instances where the creature's visits was one of a series of visits with the same person. Multiple people also mentioned being spoken to, my daughter included. This led us to wonder whether the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder near my bed and left it running all night every night for two weeks. I would tediously scan through the sounds of me rolling around in bed each day when I woke up. By the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional sound of sleep while blurring through the recording at eight times the normal speed. This still took almost an hour every day. On the first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I can't listen to it long enough to even begin to describe it. I haven't let anyone listen to it yet. All I know is that I've heard it before, and I now believe that it spoke when it was sitting in front of my husband. I don't remember hearing anything at the time, but for some reason, the voice in the recorder immediately brings me back to that moment. The thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head make me very upset. I have not seen the rake since he ruined my life, but I know that he has been in my room while I sleep. I know and fear that one night. I'll wake up to see him staring at me. Okay, so this is a horror story and we know it's not real. We know exactly where it came from. We know who wrote it. We know everything about this story. See now, but this is the thing because, yeah, it's a creepypasta. That's how it became famous, the idea of this thing, the imagery of it. But, you know, it still doesn't change the fact that there are enough people to form a subreddit on Reddit claiming, you know, oh yeah, actually, you know, the creature from that story, that sounds familiar. That reminds me of something that I saw when I was a kid. So the story that grabbed my attention was actually from Australia. And it's a woman who, even though she didn't specifically say, I assumed that she's living 
in Queensland just based on the description because she um, she referred to it as a flood house, but in Australia we call them Queenslanders and they're houses that are basically on stilts and that's quite typically a Queensland thing. That's why it's called a Queenslander. So the Reddit user's name is PM Me Roast Beef, which is, I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> but I just think, like, what a hilarious fucking username. Do you know what I've noticed too is a strange thing about these cryptid crawler sightings and something which I'd be interested to see if, if you've noticed this before or maybe you haven't, but now you're going to go back and notice it, that specifically with crawler sightings and with crawler testimonies or stories, and I'm going to talk about a YouTube clip too later, which I notice the same phenomena with is that people who tend to have these crawler stories it's not like you go on their their account um it's they don't they generally tend to post from their real accounts uh so they're not throwaway accounts at all and they'll have a crazy story about a crawler and then everything else on their account is really pedestrian like just pictures of plants or just random stuff that you would normally see on any kind of normies Reddit or YouTube account. I feel like that's not typical. Like even people that have ghost experiences or even say something like Dogman or Bigfoot, like they will have posts or at least comments on those subreddits, those communities. They're kind of into it. It's a fandom. Whereas for crawlers, I don't know, when you go through their comments and posts, it's not like they're part of some kind of crawled cryptid community. It's like they've literally just documented something strange that happened to them and then they kind of like get on with their lives. And I just, I find that strange. So PM Me Roast Beef posted this about five months ago and the, the title of the post is My Australian Crawler Sightings and the Reason I Sleep with All My Curtains Closed. So her first encounter was when she was about four years old and she said that the house was the old style flood house, which we call a Queenslander here. So it's technically two stories, but underneath the house is just kind of where the car is and a laundry room. Generally it's on stilts. She doesn't mention what year it was, but she does says, she does says, (laughs) she does say that it was in the early days of the town. So there were only a couple of other houses on the cul-de-sac and the back of their property was about 500 metres from the ocean. But you couldn't see or hear the coastline because there was light rainforest that surrounded the house. And the house was also fully fenced in. The bedroom was facing to the back of the property, so it wasn't facing to the street. So she woken up one night, which wasn't unusual because she said that she was a pretty light sleeper. But she noticed that her parents hadn't closed the curtains to her bedroom. And when she looked towards the window, she could see through the window a silhouette of something looking back in at her. And what you have to remember is that she's on the second story of this house. She described it as being easily around two meters tall and it was hanging off the roof and holding on to the frame of the window looking in at her. She said that she couldn't see its face, but she just knew instinctively that it was looking at her. And she said that she was fucking terrified. Says that it's been almost two decades 
since she saw it, but she still remembers the intense fear. So basically at four years old, she got the courage to kind of get up out of her bed and walk to her parents' room where she fell back asleep in her parents' room. And they said to her that it was just a dream. So if we're saying that it's 20 years ago, then this is like mid nineties. So the next time she saw it, she said that it was a couple of years later. So she was probably about seven or so, and they had moved houses and the new house was about a 16 hour drive away from the old place. And you know what? That's, um, that's something that people in America should understand. So she drove 16 hours and she's still in the same state. That's how big Australia is. I just want everyone to realize that. I feel like sometimes the geography gets lost in translation. Um, but yeah, Australia's pretty big. That's just another little tidbit I thought I'd throw in. Another little thing that I love about this story too is that she's describing things in detail that if she was describing it just to another like Aussie person, they would completely understand it. Cause she goes on to say that she heard a banging on a metal fence. And so in Australia, these metal fences are everywhere. So it's this distinctive noise that everyone would know because we all have these fences and roofs, um, made out of corrugated metal and it's like painted. So I don't know. It just, it's, if you're listening to this and you're from Australia, you can automatically know the sound that this makes. I'm not sure the way that she writes it, it makes it sound like it's not popular as popular anywhere else in the world as it is in Australia. But yeah, so she says that she heard this noise of something banging into the metal fence. At first she thought it was like a bird that had landed on the fence, but then she realized that the noise lasted way longer than what it would be if it was just a bird landing on the fence. Then she thought that someone was trying to break into the house. And so she rolls over in her bed and looks at the window. And she says, once again, she didn't like really see it at first because it was really dark outside. But then she said, eventually when her eyes got used to it, she realized that there was a figure hunched down in front of the window. And even though it was hunched down, it was still huge. Except for this time, she didn't run to her parents because their bedroom was no longer across the hall. It was on the complete opposite side of the house. And she was terrified because if she was to go to her parents' bedroom, she would have to run past many uncovered windows to get there. So I don't know. She said that she doesn't remember falling asleep, but when she woke up in the morning, she told her parents again that she'd been dreaming. And this, that detail too, is something that is quite common, I guess, with alien abductions. Like when people say that they see something fucking weird and they're like, oh yeah. And then I saw a gray alien in my room and I just rolled over and went back to sleep. Like what the fuck? So then she says the next time that she saw it, she was nine and that she knows she was nine because she'd moved schools. And she'd made a friend with a girl like that she called Casey. So, you know, she's seeing it with kind of regular, regular kind of timing, I guess. Is that the word? Regular intervals. Because she saw it when she was four or five. Then she saw it when she was six. And now she's seeing it when she's nine. So, so this adds an interesting element to the story because it introduces somebody else that's also experiencing this. So, you know, whether it could have been kind of chalked up to just her imagination or in fact it was just her dreams or an overactive imagination, the previous two sightings, if this part of the story is true, then it kind of, I guess, adds a little bit more credibility to it. So she's made this friend. She's really happy. She stayed at Casey's house. And it was like a normal kind of 
little kid sleepover, went to bed and woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of Casey crying. So she sat up and asked her what was wrong. And she pointed to the window where she saw the familiar silhouette again, except Casey would sleep with a nightlight. So she could see like way more of the creature than she ever had before. And she described it as looking crusty and dry, totally white and devoid of any real other identifying features except for black eyes and a mouth that just like hung there agape. She said that the window was so small that it had to hunch down to see them. So they both got up and like ran crying to Casey's mum like fucking A. And then Casey's mum turned on the outside light and brought us back inside the bedroom. And she pointed out over to some gum trees and she tried to say that like what they saw was a fucking gum tree. That might sound strange to some people who aren't from Australia, but in Australia we do have gum trees that are called the ghost gum. And they're called that because they have um, pale bark. So yeah, you know, if you did have an overactive imagination, you could potentially imagine that it was like a creepy skinny, tall, lanky monster in the backyard. So a couple of months later, Casey stayed at her house for the night. And when she woke up in the morning, Casey was gone and the rake had eaten her. No, that's not how the story went. Basically what happened was um, her mum said that Casey got up in the middle of the night and came and woke her up and she started crying and begged to go home. So basically PM Euros Beef's mum took Casey home. And when she saw her at school on Monday, she said that she got up at night to go to the bathroom, but when she'd walked past the lounge room, she could see the tall skin monster crawling through the trees at the bottom of the backyard. And yeah, she never went to her house ever again. So she's an adult now and she has a partner. And she said that recently she'd woken up in the middle of the night to him getting up and he was closing the curtains. And when she asked him, like, why are you closing the curtains now? He said that he had a nightmare that there was a tall, skinny man, a tall, skinny white man clinging to the roof, almost like a spider. And it was peering into the bedroom. And he said that he had been up all night playing video games and figured that it must have been a hallucination or just like, you know, one of them weird kind of dream stage, sleep stage, awake stage hallucinations that he had. He said when he got up from the bed, it jumped back onto the roof. That kind of freaked her out a bit because she claimed that he, she hadn't told him anything about this creature that she'd had experiences with when she was a child. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's an Australian story of what would be considered a crawler. So by this point, I'm hooked. I need to learn more about this creature. And as I was researching and looking into more stories and videos, I remember a story that I'd listened to on Real Life Ghost Stories, which was one of my favorite podcasts. And it was probably about maybe three years ago. So it was when they had only been around maybe for like six months or so. It was one of their one of their episodes that they did on, um, I can't remember if it was a Yowie or a bunyip that they did a story on. And that story heralded from Queensland too. If you if you remember this story, can you please like comment it or somehow send it to me so that I can refind it and listen to it again. But what I remember from this story is that the basic crux of it was that there was this creature which was had a very similar description to the description that this woman 
describes this crawler as, except for it was um, either a bunyip or a yowie that would crawl down from the trees. And basically what happened was there was like a guide who was taking this couple hiking and they had to hide in the bush because they saw this creature crawl down from a tree with like blood coming out of its mouth and all this kind of stuff. I know that I'm the worst at telling stories, which is hilarious considering I'm just recording a story podcast. But yeah, if you if you remember that story of real life ghost stories with Emma and Dan, please like let me know what that episode was. So it gives me pause for thought because it makes me wonder, like, is this entity, this monster that was allegedly created in 2006 on a 4chan message board, you know, is this, is it something that people really see and it was just given a name and a narrative associated to it and created to it, but it like already exists. And because of the internet in some kind of group collective consciousness, they were able to give it an identity, create a name, which makes me wonder about the power of a name, you know, creating something and giving it a purpose, like a thought form. You know, we've seen this in you know, things like Slenderman as well, how Slenderman was completely made up and yet people claim to have real sightings and experiences with Slenderman. Is the rake or crawlers the same kind of energy? Because the internet stories are one thing where people say, oh, this happened to me or this happened to a friend of a friend of mine. But then we have the footage, the video. So it brings me to... A YouTube account by a man called Richard Grebenick. So Richard Grebenick has about 18 videos on his YouTube channel, 5.9 thousand subscribers. And the majority of his videos, you know, have 500 views. Every now and then there's one with 1,000 views. But there's one video that goes for six and a half minutes and it's called Evil Creature Caught on Tape by Rick Grebenick. And it's completely different to all the other videos that he posts on his YouTube account. So all of his other videos, like for example, are him singing cover songs, or he's got one there where he, you know, lifts lifts a truck and pushes it. That had 18,000 views. So this video, I can't tell if it's real or not. I want to believe as your resident Fox Mulder, but There's a few things about it, which, you know, I don't know whether it makes it more believable or less believable because basically it's an iPad. It's filmed on an iPad stuck up against a window. He says that he can see this thing kind of coming towards him and it's like moving all really weird. But because the fact that it's pushed up against a window being recorded, it's kind of filmed through a uh, fire fly screen, not a fire screen a fly screen. So it already makes it kind of pixelated. So if it was faked, like, I don't know. I don't know. There's parts about it, which make me feel like it's not a fake because just this one random fucking video with all these other random rock and roll covers, like, I don't know, but see what I mean? Like, this is how I felt too about the other people that seem to have encounters with this crawler. Like they have a really strange encounter that they post about, but then everything else is kind of normal. So I'm going to put a link for the video in the description box. Um, But also I'm going to just play a section of the audio for you. 
And what you have to imagine when you're listening to this is that there's this creature, which is kind of almost like an anomalous glob-looking humanoid creature, which kind of is kind of shimmering, shimmying backwards and forwards towards the camera. It doesn't really ever come into like the lit up part of the porch, but you can definitely see it kind of skulking in the darkness. So here's the clip. Oh my God, there it is, Mike. It came back. Oh my gosh. This thing is looking weird. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It, it knows something's going on, man. This thing is. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I don't know what happened. We got disconnected. They even called the minister. It's went, it went back, it went back, it went back. Um, okay, so... From the sounds of it, this guy has called a minister or a priest of some kind when he's seen this creature because he's of the belief that it's like a demonic creature. And he's talking about it to the priest. And you know what? I must admit, it's a little bit weird. Like if you saw something like this in your backyard and the, the talking in tongues and stuff happens around the six-minute mark and the video goes for six minutes, 46. So it's kind of a bit like... That's one thing which doesn't make it plausible because if I saw this in my backyard, I'd be like freaking out the whole time, <laughs> not just like watching it for six minutes and then start freaking out. The priest starts talking in tongues. As the priest is talking in tongues, then the the creature starts almost like doing like a like a jiggery, jittery kind of dancey thing and then shuffles back into the darkness. And then obviously the phone seems like it gets disconnected and then you see the figure kind of skulk off into the darkness and run off to the left of screen. All right, so everybody, I hope that you enjoyed this mini episode. And uh, yeah, you know, just it's just a little way for me to ease back into it after taking a little bit of time off. So please let me know what you think about the crawler phenomenon. Is it just a made-up creepypasta internet myth and legend? Or, you know, is it something that people have seen for hundreds of years and, you know, the fact that it was created as a creepypasta was just a figment of our like collective consciousness like is this some kind of archetype that we remember for some reason because this entity truly exists or is it a thought form a tulpa something which has been created because people believed in it i don't know let me know what you think and uh yeah thanks for tuning in again guys i hope you enjoyed this it's great to be back and i'm gonna catch you soon all right bye bye now the dogs are barking there we go perfect timing all right, bye-bye.